do you prepare to have that successful life that's different? I'll even go so far as to say the contrarian life. On today's show, we're going to be providing you with all the tips and tools for a big change, whether it's retirement, whether it's moving to a new state, starting a new job, or just starting a new company. And Bo, I'm even going to go as far as to say, I need your guidance on becoming an intrapreneur. All that and more on The Money Guy Show. It's Brian Preston, The Money Guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, The Money Guy. So, Bo, the working title, Taking a Wealth Less Traveled. I like it. I like it a lot. What it plays upon is the road less traveled. You know, I've shared in previous podcasts, I think that a lot of us, we get caught just letting life happen to us. And and what I want to do is I, I want all of our Money Guy listeners, in addition to just building financial independence and stretching every dollar that they have 3 to 5% more than their peers, I also want them to have some purpose, to kind of feel like, hey, this world, we have so many opportunities. How do you attack it? How do you make what you dream, what you you really want, become a true true thing that actually happens and fulfills in your life? What I love about that show, Top Brian, is, is as we're recording this, we've just we've just passed tax day, right? So I know for the first part of the year, most folks kind of have that front of mind, top of mind, making sure all that stuff is aligned. But now that we've moved through that, uh, we're thinking about getting in the summer. We're thinking about schedules opening up a little bit. Uh, this is a perfect time to do some of that self reflection and see if you really are moving in that in that wealth less traveled. But I feel like you buried the lead. Yeah, here this is going to be a unique show. First of all, let me tell you, I've only had probably four hours of sleep last night, and then all the other, for the last three or four days, has probably been somewhere between five to six hours of sleep. And it's not because there's something that's keeping me awake because of stress. I've, I've had that in my past, you know, where I started the company, or I've had things happen where I couldn't sleep because I was just so nervous. This is an excitement that keeps me from being able to sleep. Because, guys, guess what? We now... And if you go to our social media outlets, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or just go to moneyguy.com, you're going to see pictures of the actual new studio. And because we're, we're in Franklin, Tennessee, downtown Franklin, Tennessee, right above Meredith's in, in the historic Franklin. And here's the thing about Franklin. It's gorgeous down here. I mean, you cannot help but just love, and I don't, I don't know if the mic's going to pick up the chatter that's in the background because we are above a restaurant. Right. But I have been a giddy kid. I mean, I wake up every morning and kind of whistle on the way to work because I just can't believe we had to come in. And when you go and look at the pictures that we have on the internet, you're going to see all the, the historic brick that's, this building was built in the 1800s. Yep, that's right. So, I mean, we got 100 year old brick. We got beautiful artwork that shows what the podcast has done. You can see all of our nerdy books that we've kind of tried to fill up our, our brains of mush with to try to make ourselves, you know, be the tool and resource that you guys have come to expect and enjoy. I mean, I, I, I can't believe it. It's been 15 years in the making. So that's why, that's what really inspired this show is because we've taken some huge risk. We moved to a different state. We started a, a, you know, a company together now, Bo. That's right. 
this is the culmination of many, many years. And you mentioned, I don't know if the microphones are picking up the chatter that you can hear from, from Meredith's, which is a bakery for those of you, you y'all who don't know. It smells uh, like sticky bones I was about to say, if it, the mic's not picking up the chatter, it's certainly not picking up the smells. But if you guys could waft this aroma, it would just, your stomach would be growling. So if you're someone who lives in the Middle Tennessee area, if you find yourself traveling to Nashville or Franklin, drop us a line. We'd love to meet you, shake your hand, have you come by, maybe even... Go have a, a Danish together. So if you come this way, let us know. We'd be happy to show you around the new digs. And you'll notice when you look at the picture, we plan on, we set this up to where we're going to be able to do a live studio audience at some point in the future. So let us know if you're traveling to this area because we definitely want to know who you are. We want to be part of the stop because downtown Franklin, here's the cool thing. Even though my family has been here now, we've, we've started... We did the ghost tours like two weeks ago because yeah. there's apparently a lot of ghosts in this city. As um, with most old towns. There's right? a there's a food tour. There's all kind of cool things you can do. And it's it's actually a tourist destination. Mm-hmm. This is not one of those like my hometown, the square, I didn't realize downtown, you could basically take a swig of water while you're driving, you'd miss the square. <laughs> I mean you could miss it. Here, it's actually a true downtown, sure, so it's yeah. kind of cool. And, and because everybody's trying to, to make it in the country music scene, or it's not surprising on the, in the evenings to see people out there playing the violin, the guitar. It, it's just got a cool vibe. But And well, you're, you're, you're hearing some giddiness in our voice, and we're probably going overboard talking about this new space. But the reason we are is because starting, and it was funny, Brian, you can share this, as we were going through some of our old documents, some of the planning, we made a decision a number of years ago, circa, you know, 2010, 2011, that we were going to try to take a path less traveled. Uh, and that's why, you know, this is sort of the culmination of that happening. And so we want to walk you through uh, how we went through that thought process and how we thought about it. And hopefully you'll have that same, you know, moment of excitement, motive, moment of giddiness, and you'll stay awake at night just like Brian does as you're so excited seeing your plans come to fruition. So let's get this thing on track. When we're talking about taking a wealth less traveled, we are specifically talking about taking risk. When you're doing something that's uncomfortable, getting you out of that status quo moment, what do you need to do? What do you need to fill the toolbox up with so you can be successful and not fall into any traps? Because here's the thing. I think most people have dreams. Mm -hmm. But the problem is those dreams do not turn into reality because they don't take the steps to go from the the essentially the the cloud of their dream and bring it down into the reality of a plan. So we're going, there's of course going to be obstacles. There's of course going to be challenges. And we just want to go ahead and give you the preparation that you need to, to be successful. By the way, if you don't realize it and you've never been there, go to moneyguy.com. You can go get, download all of our information. We do serve clients 36, 37. 36. And by the way, you go to the picture, you'll see the picture of the map up and uh, up and in the pit, you know, in the, the the studio view, as well as my old tin key, which was kind of exciting. That's <laughs> I truly could foot a ledger faster than you could believe many years ago. But MoneyGuy.com, the podcast has continued to grow, but we appreciate you guys on helping with that. So here's what I think the biggest thing, getting back to the, the success of what needs to happen when you take a risk. And, Bo, before I say the power of a plan, sure. I do want you to keep me honest on one thing. Okay. You have done an incredible job of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, I started, the, I started a company many years ago, kind of took a leap, and I think I even fell into some traps as an employee. You know, I, I, I thought just being a good employee, taking care of my clients, um, showing up when I was supposed to was what made me successful and should have put me on the partner track. 
you somehow had the innate ability to recognize being a good employee was not enough. Sure. If, if you wanted to be really successful, you had to go a step further and start thinking about the vision of the organization that you're dealing with. So my challenge to you today is when you see points where you can interject what an entrepreneur, because not everybody has to start a brand new company or take a risk like that. You can create your own, essentially, place within the business just like you did, Bo. I mean, now you're a partner. You've done incredibly well. So I think that's incredible that you have uh, the entrepreneur perspective that I can provide, but then you're going to be able to go from a different angle and show how do you kind of take over from within and really create and put your own name on something. So the first thing I had on here was power of a plan. You know, one of the things we hear so often when people, and it's one of those great things, I've shared this story with you guys, and I'm unfortunately, as I'm getting older, it's not really unfortunately, it's a, it's a fortunate thing. I'm getting that glazed over experience. You know, I, I tell the story that one of my childhood friends, his father was laid off as like a $7 an hour welder, okay. um, got laid off, and then he got, you know, had to put food on the table, so he started his own metal fabrication businesses. And, and every time I ever asked him about his business, I could see this longing look where he kind of, you know, you could tell he was reminiscing and going back in time with all the struggles and everything else that happens. And I'm starting to have that feeling after 15 years of being self-employed where it is kind of cool to look back and you realize that the plans that you created we're really where the rubber hits the road. And you hear everybody talk about when they do that reminiscing, because I do it too, and I talk about passion, because passion is important. But here's the truth, and nobody talks about this because it doesn't fit into that nice box of excitement or, or what sounds good to everybody out there listening, is that unfortunately passion does not pay for food for the family. Right. Passion does not pay for the mortgage. What will do that stuff is actually putting pen to paper and creating a plan and, and, and making sure that you're measuring twice and cutting once. And what I love, Brian, that you said earlier <clears throat> is you said that this, this show is really about taking risks. And so often, and, and it's sort of beautiful because, you know, here we are in Nashville, the quote unquote music city. A lot of folks equate the thought that, okay, if I just take a risk, whether that be a career risk or even an investment risk, the more risk I take, the bigger the reward. Well, a lot of people, they go into it without doing it, the step you're about to, to describe about with the things that go into the plan. And they say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move out to L.A. to become an actress. Or I'm going to move to Nashville right. to become a country music star. Or I'm going to go buy those emerging market penny stocks because if it goes up one penny, I'll double my investment without really putting the pen to paper like you're talking about. And so we're not talking about taking unmeasured, crazy risks, but we are talking about calculated, well-thought-out, well-planned-for risks. So let's talk about what it means to actually create a plan. The first thing I think that the type of plan you need to have is a a, a liquidity plan. Because I just talked to you about paying for your family food. I thought about paying the mortgage. That all comes from cash. Mm -hmm. And and you guys know from listening to The Money Guy Show, three to six months is typically what you need in cash reserves for the typical person who's working for somebody. And the difference between three months and six months is just how fast you think if you got laid off or displaced, would you? how long would it take to replace that job? There's a difference when you're doing something different, whether it's retiring, because retiring is its own risk and, and change for sure, whether it's starting your own company, whether it's you know moving to a different state to do multiple things at once, whether it's retire or start a company, you're going to need more than three to six months sure. because exactly what you're talking about, Bo, when you're doing those crazy things, 
you need at least 18 to 36 months. Um, I, I talked to a buddy of mine, college roommate owns, both of them own quite a few restaurants in Atlanta. And I was asking him, I said, how long does it take for a restaurant to kind of hit the ground running where it's actually the cash flow from operations is paying for itself? And he says, well, I always try to, when we set up a new concept, 18 months is what we shoot for. Oh, wow. And then I know when I started doing the financial plan, um, the, the financial planning firm with no clients, which right. is got to look back on now and go, what the heck was I thinking <laughs> starting a company with really not any clients? I mean, it took about three years to get to where I was making what I was making as an employee. Sure. So that's why I say 18 months to three years. And a lot of you guys are like, Brian, man, that kills the dream right there. I can't do it. But that's what makes the difference between an adventure versus a long-term success plan. Because guys, if you can't come up with, if you can't build the resources to have 18 to 36 months of liquidity, you probably haven't done everything required to truly make this a successful venture. And there's a, there's a guy who lives here in town. I, he actually goes to the same church uh, as ours. He, he does a little podcast as well. But I think he has a saying that goes you know, something like, live like no one else so that you can live like no one else. I think it's really interesting, Brian, when you first started the company, because a lot of people say, oh, I, well, I can't build up cash because I've got this going on, this going on, that going on. You know, I'm working, my, my wife is working, whatever. When you first built, when you first started the company, how'd you build up that cash? We basically, this is, my wife was very successful as a Lotus Notes programmer, which younger listeners will be like, Lotus Notes? What the, what the, my older listeners are like, oh, I know what, I used to use Lotus, <laughs> but she was still working at the time. So we lived off her salary. I made, you know, we had equivalent salaries at the mm-hmm. time. We quit using my salary altogether and saved it. And we basically built up about $45,000 of cash. So I want to make sure I understand this. So if you were just living off of her salary and you were saving all of your salary, does that mean that there were some things that you had been doing lifestyle-wise that you couldn't do anymore? Does that mean that there were some sacrifices you had to make in order to make this dream become a reality? For sure. And a lot of my you know, you podcast clients, you've heard me say this. I made a promise with my wife that we were going to create a forced scarcity environment. What I mean by that is that we paid ourselves first on our whatever our goals were. At the time of starting a business, it was to build as much cash as possible, but we've continued as we've as we've had more success. We now pay ourselves first. We also, you know, contribute or save for organizations we think first to create this environment where the money that comes in is already allocated. So, Because, look, I have the same risk that the average person does. If it's in my pocket, if it's in the bank account and I see it, there's a psychological thing that happens with the human nature that you'll just spend it. So that's why you got to create a forced scarcity type plan that does help you to kind of go ahead and prioritize where those resources are going from the beginning. So I'm going to step in and, and drop a little entrepreneur thought in your mind. So maybe you're someone who's working for a company. You're not thinking about I need to go start a new company. I need to build up cash to be able to do that. Um, but maybe you're someone who does want to pursue a partnership track or, or, or that sort of thing. It, it's really no different in the fact that early on in your career, early on in the process as you're thinking about making this change, you may not be making sacrifices to build up cash, but you probably should start thinking about, are there sacrifices I could be making to begin building goodwill Mm-hmm. with my employer, with the company. You know, I'm, I'm doing my job well. I'm making the trinkets. I'm preparing the doodads. I'm serving the clients, whatever the case may be. Are you doing those things to go above and beyond to set yourself apart from the peers? That's kind of your base level start liquidity plan. Are you building up that goodwill 
that's going to allow you to propel yourself to that next level. Or are you just checking the box? Because exactly. I, I have fallen in that trap before. I was like, man, the clients love me. How are, they, how, are how am I not a partner already? I've been here for two years. I should be a partner already when I'm 24 years old. It, 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 you have that mindset, but as you get older and reflection gives you clarity, you realize, no, I, I fell into a trap. That's a trap where you have to respect that if you're going to go that next step within the organization, let them know that you're committed. Let them know that there is some passion as well as vision for the future. And that ties into the next thing of um, the, 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 of the planning process. I, I put that we should have three separate five-year plans. And now, before I go into the ins and outs, let me tell you the fun part of this. I did this when I started my company back in 2002. And the cool thing about having multiple five-year plans is that you get to look at them later. And because we're well past five years, I mean, we're 15 years and it is so fun and makes the hair on my arm stand up when you see the goals you set back when you started the company. And then you fast forward 10 years, 15 years, you go, holy cow, that's kind of cool to see everything kind of play out. That's why, guys, if you're not doing it, I know we go on these sidebars, but there's so many nuggets I just love to share with our listeners. This is why you should do a net worth statement every year as well. The same thing I'm telling you about a business plan can be a, a net worth statement, can be a track record for your personal finances, for you and your family. I've been doing mine since the early 2000s. Guys, you start charting that stuff, it's fun. I mean, you see what years where things changed, where they popped, where they, so that it, it all ties in. So let's get to the business plan. Here's the three types I want you to do. I want you to do baseline, what you think will happen. And this is where most people do this. Sure. When you create a business plan, because everybody understands, because it's kind of just built into the culture of starting a business is you're like, well, I got to create a business plan so people will take me serious. And you put together what you think will happen. That's your baseline. Everybody should do that. And I'm talking about actually do a spreadsheet. This is not something you just conceptualize in your head. No, guys, you need to get a spreadsheet out. Use Excel, use Sheets, whatever you're actually using. Make it happen where you're showing the revenue, you're showing the expenses, and you're showing, I even, I remember on mine, I had life on there. I knew how much my mortgage was. I knew how much groceries were going to cost. I kind of, and look, you want to keep your, your assets separated and everything, and they will. I had a separate credit card. But when it comes to doing cash flow planning and cash flow analysis for a new endeavor, there's nothing wrong with understanding what you have to have line items for cash and life down at the bottom. So you have your what you think will happen. Number two is what you hope doesn't happen. This is kind of your worst-case scenario. Sure. And the reason you need to have this is so you can go and prepare yourself emotionally because it is, there's a reason, just like the military's running drills at all times so that first time you hear gunfire, you don't freaking fall over and go in the fetal position. You have to do the same thing with your business is you got to make sure you're prepared for the worst-case scenario so you can, first of all, recognize, oh, my goodness, the wheels are falling off this thing. Let's get the wrench down there and tighten it up or spray some WD-40 and figure out how we redirect this business plan to get it back to what I'm hoping it will be. So make sure you are creating that worst-case scenario so that you – and I mean, be realistic. I'm not saying just go in there and dumb down some numbers and go, well, I guess this is a, what Brian's talking about. No, I'm saying if you're planning on – say you start a new company and you think you're going to pick up three new clients every quarter. You know, that's that's what you did as a baseline. Right. So you have this thing growing upon itself. What happens if you change that scenario to three in the first nine months? That's the type of way, the way you need to think about when you role play or case create scenarios 
for this worst case scenario. Think about what could happen if the family and friends don't show up. I remember I moved my business from Atlanta down to my hometown, thinking everybody would remember old smart Brian Preston who grew up with their kids, you know, and all the family money and everything else in the town, all the the anchors for the community would come running with their checkbooks and go, man, let me invest in that smart Brian Preston. Right. None of them showed up. I mean, it's only when I was, you know, moving from the county to Tennessee that some of them started sniffing around going, man, Brian, Brian has more going on than we realized, you know, because they could see things about me. But that that's the thing is you have to realize that everything you're assuming that could be good that could happen might not happen. I, I think, and what I love about this one, Brian, is I think about, you know, <clears throat> we've been asked to speak at uh, at high schools and middle schools before, you know, about personal finance and all that. And one of the questions we always like to ask uh, the students is, hey, what do you think you're going to do professionally? You know, what after high school, what do you think you're going to do? And a lot of times it's, oh, I want to play in the NBA. I'm going to go be a professional baseball player. I'm going to go be a famous singer, right? <laughs> and uh, and that's awesome. There's nothing wrong with aspiring for, for that. But we always, whenever someone gives us that answer, we follow up with this question. Well, what if that's not the case, right? What if that's not what ends up happening? And they kind of look at us sort of, you know, d- dumbfoundedly, right? There's no backup plan. There's no backup plan. <laughs> well, for those of you who listen to the show, you probably get, well, that's crazy, right? Yes, you, 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 how, you know, you have to think through that. This is the exact same thing. This is the exact same thing you kind of have to think through is what if success doesn't look the way that I think it is. And it's no different than those middle schoolers who don't have a plan outside of being a professional athlete. And this also goes back to the liquidity plan that I was just talking about. If you look at your worst case scenario and you say, you know what, this is scary enough that if I at least had another six months worth of cash savings built up, because that could be retirement as well, then do it. Because if you can ensure a higher probability of success by just implementing a better plan through liquidity, through deferring just a little bit longer, do that to give yourself an actual fighting chance of success. Because the worst thing that can happen is you put your family through this risk, and then you get so close. I mean, you get 80% there to fulfillment, and then it just caves upon itself. Yeah. That That's the worst part, and that's what breaks my heart. Because like I said, it's not a, ever a passion thing that I think keeps people from being successful. It's the lack of preparation. Yeah. Yep. So the last one I put on here, and this is the fun one. This is the one where you can hear the excitement in my voice because I've looked back at that five-year plan. The last case scenario is to put the, the what, what you hope happens, the stretch goals. This is a fun one to this build, is, right? This is a great one because here's why this is a powerful tool for you. You reach the baseline. Things are humming and going like they're supposed to. But you look and you compare it by this best-case scenario. If you're not reaching best case, but you are at least bypassing or exceeding your baseline, this will allow you to say, well, what would need to happen? What needs to change to reach the stretch goal? Because that's what's exciting, guys, is when you get 5, 10, 15 years past and you see you're blowing numbers out, it's exciting, especially when you maybe were way behind in the first three years. Because that's my personal experience. I was so far behind the first 24 months on getting new clients. Because like I said, the town elders didn't come calling for Brian Preston. So then it's kind of exciting to see by year five, year six, year seven, we're now exceeding some of those baseline as well as stretch goals. It, it, that's where I think the fulfillment and the wealth less traveled really kind of takes hold of you. So I'm going to try to be kind here, Brian, right? But in full disclosure, I'm speaking to my generation, to right. the folks who kind of fall on the, the threshold uh, of where I was born, right? 
Why did you say create three separate five-year plans as opposed to three separate six-month plans or three separate well, one-year plans? And we're getting, because this is an important thing. We're going to talk about this in the next point is there's a concept called mastery. I mean, you have to get, I got to tell you, 10, I, I think the 10,000 hours is spot on. I mean, I will, I think you hire Brian Preston right out of college. He's not the same guy I was six years out of college or seven years out of college because that 10,000 hours, and realize there's approximately 2,000, a little over 2,000 hours a year you get in your work life. So that's at least five years of experience doing the same thing over and over, practicing it, developing an expertise in something before you have mastery. And I think unfortunately, and, and I'm being tactful as well. Sure. But there is this false sense out there, and I think it has not been tested. We haven't had any downturns in the economy since this this mindset has sifted in there. And, and I don't want anybody to be disappointed because I have friends that I see at conferences and stuff that have done it, and they're the exception to the rule. But I do think some people, and this is a great lead into my next point, don't try to reinvent the wheel. Right. I mean, you have to go get this mastery. And that gets to my next point, getting out of the power of a plan. Let's transition to... Don't try to reinvent the wheel. I think so many people who are successful, we try to be generous, Bo. I mean, when we get people who come in town and say, can we have lunch? Sure. We try to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I, I love to share. It, it, you know, I was, we were out with just some of our couple friends, some neighbors we've met in the community. Right. And, you know, and one of them's a realtor and she was asking me about retirement plans and savings. And they're like, Man, I hate that I ask you these questions. I said, what are you talking about? I said, I love sharing. This is how I get, this is, this is fun for me. This is, this is why I do, do what I do for a living is I have that heart of an educator. So I love to just share as much that I can as well as the mistakes I've made because I've made mistakes and I want to tell as many people as possible. And I think that there is a benefit when you can reach out to successful people who are doing what you want to do, who have already reached the goals you want to reach. Go ask them how they did it. Um, I was going to share, and this ties back to what you were talking about. You know, when I went to my first conference after I went on my own in 2002, I went to a Napa South conference, and there was a speaker by the name of Cheryl Holland. I don't think Cheryl will mind me giving her name. I thought she was the craziest woman I'd ever met because at this boot camp pre-conference that I, I'd paid an extra, I don't know, probably a hundred bucks, which right. was a fortune to me at the time sure. starting this brand new company. She gave out CD-ROMs. That's right. People still gave out CD-ROMs back then. And it had all of our templates for how she did business, like all of her forms, all of our processes. And I'm sorry, how much did she charge for that? It was just part of, if you if you were part of this boot camp that Cheryl was teaching, she just gave it to you. And I, I remember being, wow, she just gave me how she did her business. Now, I've realized and I've matured. and I've realized just It's the same thing we do here, the, the abundance mentality. We give away as much free advice as we can on this podcast because I've realized just because we're giving it away free doesn't diminish the skill set of what right. we're doing. And I think that's what Cheryl recognized, too. She's a beast in the industry and a world-class planner. And and the fact that she was giving this away didn't diminish her right. business. It actually just lifted the, ri- the, the rising tide, lifted all sure. boats and made more advisors successful. So it leads to my point of, you know, find a mentor. That's what that 10,000 hours, that point you were mm-hmm. talking about, Bo, is so, so important. Get that experience so you're not falling into these holes and these traps and these mistakes that some of us have already found and we can help you avoid. In terms of folks who get it, if we're going to think about having a mindset shift and changing the way that we think about becoming a master and putting the time and developing a plan, 
Is there a profession that you can think of or an example you can think of that kind of gets this, that understands this concept? Oh, for sure. Think about doctors. I mean, we all, I think a lot of people, we all have tremendous respect for doctors. It's one of those professions where we get it. If you want to talk about the concept of deferred gratification, it's a doctor. Because these guys, you know, they, first of all, you have to be smart, brilliant to get into medical school. But on top of that, most people have to go, you know what, besides being just brilliant enough to get into this hard school to get into, I'm going to go take on 100000 200000 $300,000 of debt. And then I'm also going to defer just getting paid. All my friends who graduated when they're 22 years old are now going to save for the next six to 10 years while I'm running up $300,000 of student loan debt, you know, and making at most 45 to 55, maybe in high cost of living areas, 60,000 as right. a resident. You know, that is a group that understands, yeah, I need to go learn. I need to go work in this industry before I start making bucks. Sure. And, and it is the perfect example of why the 10,000 hours is powerful and deferred gratification is that concept as well as compounding that all plays together and can make you just really powerful in your career. The other thing I wanted to say, and this is something I think younger generation has figured out, Bo. So we picked on them about the whole mentor in 10,000 sure. hours because they've just skipped that step. But I think that this next step they have figured out quite well, and it's something we all can learn from. Join a peer group. Mm -hmm. You know, if you know you're going to start an organization or be part of something and you want to go find a group of people who are also united in that same goal and see if there's something we all can learn from each other. You know, I have found, you know, that's why I liked when I joined NAPFA. If you're not familiar with NAPFA, by the way, if you're a financial advisor, that's the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. This is the organization that specifically is, you know, kind of bundles up and is the, you know, advocates, advocates and as well as just organizes conferences and other things for fee-only financial advisors, people who aren't doing commissions, other things. It, 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 you can just sense that abundance mentality from many of the, the members of this organization, and, and that's one of the things I like. And they, they offer peer groups. Bo, I, I noticed you know, you had a phone call three weeks ago, yeah. a month ago, yep. where you're now part of a, a, I guess on the, since you're a CFA on the, on the investment side yep. of things, where you're getting with a group of people talking about things just all over the country. Ideas. It's really just a, a brainstorming think tank. And that's incredibly valuable. That's why we love going to, going to those conferences. Just so you know, even if you're not a financial advisor, but if, if you're thinking about, you're sort of entertaining the idea of hiring a fee only financial advisor. Uh, first, send us an email because that'd be awesome. But if you're looking for somebody in your geographic area, Go to the NAPFA's website, type in your zip code, and they'll shoot off a bunch of uh, advisors that are there. So it's a fantastic resource for seeking out professional help. So I want to kind of to bring the podcast to a landing here. I want to give a few other tools that we've we've shared with people on being successful if you're taking that big risk. Is And this is a big one. We talked to this. And this is an entrepreneur thing too, Bo, is polish up those soft skills. I mean, this is a big one. You know, I think a lot of people think if I'm brilliant in my, if I have an aptitude for my career, that's going to be all I need to do. And that's just not it. I mean, there's so many of Malcolm Gladwell and a lot of his books. If you read them, he'll talk about the IQ thresholds where, yes, you have to be at this baseline IQ to have, um, a, a, a you know, above average success. But right. once you exceed that level of IQ, the, Benefit it starts waning, you know, sure. because you can get so smart that you start to lose touch with the social IQ, and that social IQ is so so powerful 
um, in, in the grand scheme of it. How comfortable are people around you? So, and, you know, and one of the easiest things, oh my goodness, we talk about this all the time. I don't even know if it made the studio view. We ought to make sure well, that it is one we put I front think, and center. I think because we keep giving it away. We do I keep giving it away. I don't even know if there's one in here of all of our books, but Dale Carnegie, this thing is timeless. 1920s, isn't that when we figured out this thing was written? Yeah, I looked it up. It was we early. looked it up a podcast ago, but I think it was, you know, is in the 20s. Dale Carnegie wrote How to Make Friends and Influence People. World class guys. How to I mean, win friends. Well, how to I, win I, friends. I think yeah. that word is even how to win friends. And it's world class. So, so make sure if you have not read it, go read this book. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a reason this thing essentially created a movement. So, so go do the work to, to make that happen. And then I will get a little deeper with these last few things I have. Cause this is, I, I can tell you personally, I needed every bit of this. You got to have a good support system. Um, when you do take a big risk, whether it's moving to a new state, whether it's starting a business, whether it's just straight up retiring, um, I think that there, you're going to have some dark times. You're going to have some things not go the way you anticipated them. And and if you don't have some type of support system, you could lose your way. Sure. And, and that's that's a horrible, horrible outcome that I want to help you invo- you know avoid. So that's why one of the key things I think that is so important is involve your family and specifically your spouse. Because at least if they have buy-in, then I think it softens the blow so you have somebody you can go and share your concerns. You can talk things out. Now, I will sh- confess to you that part of the reason I saved that $45,000 was to essentially pad and protect my wife from realizing how scary things were financially. Because, sure, yeah. you know, you go from some, you know, six figures down to $17,000 your first year. You start going, ooh. We're going to go through $45,000 really quick. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it, I never wanted her to feel that. So that, that's where that liquidity plan came in. But I could, you know, express concerns or, 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 or just doubts and other things and get her to comfort and provide other things. And family members were also great, greatly supported through that. And then here's the, here's another deep one that I think is so important is you got to nurture your spirit. Yeah. I mean, I think one of those things that, you know, we, we don't talk about politics. We don't talk about religion on this show because I just think that that is not the proper, a proper place for the money guy show to be. But I will tell you, I think when you do take a tremendous risk where you're taking and potentially impacting your family, impacting the financial stability of your household, you got to have something to ground you so that when things are dark, you can say, well, you know what? There's something bigger than me that can help through this whole process. And that's such a powerful tool that I I think it can, you know, really help you through those periods where you're going to start having some doubt. So make sure you're setting aside some time for reflection and what I call soul nurturing where, you know, you're reflecting on what can make you successful. And, and I think what's really great about that, that last one, Brian, is that as we've experienced some success and we just feel so, you know, it's so amazing that we're able to do this show and connect with folks all over the country and we've been able to move across state and we have this awesome office now. We recognize, okay, now we have a platform where we can make a difference, where we can do something, where we can impact people, where we can be a positive influence. Uh, and it's because in the beginning we sort of were grounded in those thoughts of, okay, What's the purpose? What's the reason we're doing what we're doing? So understanding your purpose and really seeking out that purpose, I think is huge to how you experience and the richness you feel from any success that you might have. It's answering that key question of why. I mean, there's so many things out there in in YouTube or wherever you can go look and see discussions on that. I like to close today's show out. One of the key things, you know, 
it's funny, we're decorating the new office and I've got some, some inspirational stuff from Walt Disney, Steve Jobs. Yep. I mean, I've got some, some cool stuff, but there's still a quote that always comes to me. And I love to read this. This was from Steve Jobs back in, in 1994. Um, I just want to read this because I think it's just so powerful. And then we'll close the show out. It says, when you grow up, you tend to get told the world is the way it is and your life is just to live your life inside the world. Try not to bash in the walls too much. Try to have a nice family life. Have fun. Save a little money. That's a very limited life. Life can be much broader once you discover one simple fact. And that is, everything around you that you call life was made up by people that were no smarter than you. And you can change it. You can influence it. You can build your own things that other people can use. The minute that you understand that you can poke life, and actually something will, you know, if you push in, something will pop out the other side, that you can change it, you can mold it, that may be the most important thing. It's to shake off the erroneous notion that life is there and you're just going to live in it versus embrace it, change it, improve it, make your mark upon it. I think that's very important. And however you learn that, once you learn it, you'll want to change life and make it better because it's kind of messed up in a lot of ways. Once you learn that, you'll never be the same again. Now, realize that was very conversational sure, because it was taken from um, a PBS One Last Thing documentary, which aired back in 2011. That's where they showed it. I mean, but he, he said it back in 1994, so I'm sure that's just one place where they, they're attributing it to. But guys, that is, it just, it just excites me to hear that optimism to change. Because if you can just realize that, man, it is amazing that this incredible world that we all live in, yep. Was all made by people no smarter than us? Yep. I mean, I look at our journey, Bo, this podcast, looking at this studio that we're standing in right now, this all started with a very simple thing when I got that first iPod. And I think it's very Seinfeld or first full circle-esque when you start looking at the footprints, you know, how this all is interconnected and interrelated. And I couldn't close out the show without saying, Thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys have made this possible. All of you who've reached out and said, hey, I want to take the relationship to the next level. Man, moving across state lines so that my daughter can go to a special school. Moving across state lines so Bo can have better opportunities business-wise for his family, as well as Gabe, Carter, and everybody else who works here at the firm. I mean, talk about goosebumps upon goosebumps. It does it to me all day long. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody who's also just from the beginning left great reviews on iTunes. We couldn't have done it without you. That's why I go to moneyguy.com. If you just give us your email address, we give you tons of free advice. There's no premium section anymore. Your premium is your email address, and we're going to load you up with all of our archives, all of our data. We even have some cool stuff that's coming out that we've just been so overwhelmed with this move and all the other cool stuff that's going on in, in the Money Guy family's life. You're going to be the beneficiary of it. So please get dialed in. Get Bring yourself into the fold of the family. Moneyguy.com. Give us your email address, and we're going to make you feel like you truly are the family that we all want to be so you can stretch that dollar 3 to 5% more than your peers. Until next time, I'm your host, Brian Preston, from downtown Franklin, Tennessee. We'll talk to you soon. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. 
a bound wealth management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment or legal advice. Thank <music> you.